Well, good morning, everyone. Grace and peace. It is so good to be together today. Uh, man, this is a lot of fun for Pastor Kurt and I. And uh, so uh, glad to be together and pray that as we are gathered here that God will accomplish his purpose and we will give him all sorts of space, Kenny, to do it. Right? There you go. There you go. Psalm 66. Um, it's the 66th day of the year. And man, what a word. Uh, one of the things that's always interesting when you, when you read the Psalms, you'll see, see this phrase regularly, all the peoples. And I wonder who the writer of the Psalm meant when he said all the peoples. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and so that's gonna, come into play with our study today. Shout for joy to God all the earth. Sing the glory of His name. Make His praises glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds, so great is your power, that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing the praises of your name. Come and see what God has done, his awesome deeds for mankind. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed, they passed through the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice in him. He rules forever by his power. His eyes watch the nations. Let not the rebellious rise up against him. Praise God, all peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. I will come to your temple with burnt offerings. And will fulfill my vows to you. Vows my lips promised and my mouth spoke when I was in trouble. I will sacrifice fat animals to you. And an offering of rams. I will offer bulls and goats. Come and hear. All you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to tackle chapter 8. Could you turn me down just a little? This is full bore Jesus. Hopefully we connect some dots today and you get a front row seat of what it really was like to be taught by Jesus. We're dealing with a second story of defeating, in this case, uh, 4,000 people. And a lot of times we learn that story as a kid. You know, Jesus does these miracles and we hear, oh, the miracles prove Jesus is is God and people were so excited and then we sort of move on. We leave it at that level. 
You're going to see today, there is so much more going on here. And you've got the building blocks for this, right? Has Jesus repeated himself in his lessons to the disciples? Yes? Over and over. Tell me about the lake. What? How did the lake lessons go? I don't think it didn't go well, right? So remember, Jesus says, "Hey, it's night. We're going to get in the boat. We're going to go across." And they're like, "Oh, we we can't go across the lake. It's deep, dark, and the, you're taking us to the bad part of town." And he, he he sleeps in the boat, and they have all the problems. And so they get through that. You know, they ask the question, "Did we go all the way across the lake to heal one person?" Oh yeah, we went across the whole lake to heal one person. Okay, and then he brings it back, right? We do it again. The second time, he's not in the boat. He's on the shore. He lets them do it. So Jesus has this pattern. He's going to repeat important lessons to you. He's going to give you these sort of life lessons. This is a particular Haggidah that he does as a rabbi. Uh, So now he's going to do it again with the feeding of the 5,000. He's repeating himself, not because he just does the same things over and over. These are vital lessons that disciples have to get. And by extension, we do too. Now, it's easy when you read uh, the screenplay, right? When you've seen the movie. Oh, yeah, I know the answer here. So what I'm going to try to show you is what it's like to be a disciple. And we're going to jump to the end. Remember, the, the key, I think, to understanding a lot of Jesus' behavior is this sense of rabbi. Uh, not that That's all that he did. Obviously, he, he superseded that on so many levels. But that's at least how he taught, he presented himself, he spent so much of his time getting ready for. And rabbis ask questions. Remember, the master way that they teach is to ask you a series of questions or lead you through circumstances so that you ask the question that they're asking and you come up with the answer. Like, did we go across this lake just for one man? We went across the lake for one man. I mean, that, it's that realization moment. So I'm going to show you the realization moment here at the end of all of this. So again, I'm jumping ahead. This is after the feeding of 4,000. And then we're going to go back and try to answer this question. So I'm going to pick up in verse 16. Uh, we've, we've had the miracle. We fed everybody. The Pharisees question about it. And Jesus says, hey, get in the boat again. It's like your parents saying, hey, get a, a switch off of the willow tree, right? You know, all right, we're going to have a lesson, boys. Verse 16, uh, they, the disciples, uh, they decided he was saying this because he hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he said, why are you so worried about having no food? Won't you ever learn or understand? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, and you can't see. You have ears, and you can't hear. Don't you remember anything at all? What about the 5,000 men I fed with five loaves of bread? How many baskets of leftover did we pick up afterwards? So on the one hand, Jesus is calling you an idiot. And it's hard to wiggle your way out of that, right? When God calls you an idiot, you probably are. But as rough as this may sound, this is also kind of how rabbis say, hey, pay attention. Um, If you have ears, listen. If you have eyes, see. And this is kind of old language. This is the Shema. This is the beginning. Hero Israel. So he's saying, all right, guys, this is the point. This is your final exam. This is why we did all this. 
And so he's asking these questions. How many loaves of bread were left over? Uh, And so they answer, 12. All right. And when I fed the 4,000 with the seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Don't you understand even yet, he asked them. (laughs) You got it? This is real Jesus. Jesus does not feed you pablum. He does not say, you need to be a good person and warm and cuddly and put on a nice warm sweater sometimes, you know, and and give people hugs. It's it's not the way he taught. It's not what he did. He said, come with me. We're going to watch this. We're going to do this. You're going to see it. And I want you, I want you to understand it. So he's taken him through these two miracles twice. And the one thing he's interested in is the amount of loaves that we had left over. Twelve and seven. You got it? Any clue? <laughs> well, yeah, it's his lotto numbers. Jesus wants you to, to play, play the twelve, play the seven. What? What is it? How do, how do you get that? That is amazing. No, you're exactly right. That's it. Uh, that is exactly right. Um, seven uh, is is pagans, is is Gentiles, foreigners. Uh, well, you just burst my bubble. But good job. That's that's really. Maybe uh, you asked the question. I know. <laughs> that's be... it's holy moly. Um, yeah. Hey, man, my granddad's from Haskell. Uh, so they're, they're they're smart folks. Oh, I, exactly. Yeah, you're, you're a beautiful point. Yeah, the first time he did that miracle, he did it for his own people, and the second time he did it for foreigners. And he he has enough for everybody. Yeah. And that's that's the huge lesson. But you actually did better than they did because we go to verse 22, and you know the sound of silence. Nobody got nothing. Um, and he didn't bother to say, okay, let me tell you. Um, you you got to get it. So um, let, let's go back, and we'll try to unpack all that. <clears throat> but that's, that's exactly right. So remember, Jesus left uh, Galilee where they were from. He went to Tyre and Sidon and hung out with a woman that he called a dog. Remember? You know, we're having dinner, and Jesus calling that girl a bad word. Um, and he set up this whole uh, theme of, Hmm, maybe we should feed the dogs too. And then he goes back to heal the deaf guy, not in Judah, but in the Decapolis. So these are ten towns east of the Jordan River, east of the Sea of Galilee, that are full of foreigners. They have some Jews in them, but the Jews act like foreigners. They've given up their own religion and they're acting like the Romans. So these are, these are rotten people. Uh, but Jesus has gone there. And, you know, as Steve shows in a minute, you just want to ask, Jesus, are there no people in our country that need help? Honestly? Um, we're, we're in the middle of a war here, bud. And you you got to go to the neighborhood that supports the Romans? I, I, I don't get it. Jesus said, well, you're going to get it. So, chapter 8, uh, verse 1. About this time, another great crowd had gathered, and people ran out of food again. So we read this, and we don't immediately pick up on, this is not just a crowd like he had in his Jewish neighborhoods in the north of Sea of Galilee. 
This is a crowd of these foreigners, uh, these people that have rejected Jewish life except Rome. So why are they out of food? There's a bunch of them, yeah. They have. So they, they get excited. Um, but their mama didn't pack them a lunch. Lunch don't last three days. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he definitely seems to have been the first domino that, that started this. And this is pretty extraordinary, right? He is in a very cosmopolitan, you know, think of it as kind of New York. You know, the, this is the nice part. There's beautiful columns, nice roads. This isn't the hill country where he's from. They could care less in the Decapolis about a rabbi, especially a rabbi from Galilee. Uh, they're, you know, products of, of civic planning and proper thinking. They don't care. But what they do care is that he can perform miracles. And he's, he's shown it again and again. These kind of things also underscore you're in the middle of a war. Now, it's dangerous to get a big crowd in the middle of a war. Think about if you had a group of 4,000 in Ukraine today. Would that be a good idea? I mean, the Russians sure would think so. Uh, they'd probably like to to do something. It'll be the same with the Romans, and it'll be the same with those that are trying to prevent the Romans from doing something. But th- this is not just day normal. Um, I mean, this is this is war torn, and even in you know the supporting the trader neighborhoods, food's hard to come by. Um, it's 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 a tough time. So this massive crowd of not nice people, um, at least mixed but very Gentile, um, they run out of food again. Jesus called to his disciples and told them, "I feel sorry for these people." They have been here with me for three days, and they have nothing left to eat. And if I send them home without feeding them, they'll faint along the road, for some have come from a long distance. How are we supposed to find enough food for them here in the wilderness? He asked his disciples. So again, notice these questions. Uh, This is the second time he's been through this with them. Kirk, can I interject for a second? Sure, sure. One of the things, like, this story seems so familiar. Like, we just studied it just a few weeks ago, like the first time just a few weeks ago. When you go back and you reread the feeding of the 5,000, who initiate, who, who raises the problem there? The disciples do. Who raises the problem here? Jesus does. Who saw how Jesus fed the 5,000? The disciples did. They're not stupid. They can, they know good and well that Jesus could repeat this. They're just hard-hearted. And that's how that story ends back in the, in, uh, Mark chapter six. You know, they feed the 5,000. Yay, 12 baskets left over. And then they get in the boat and then they have all that, that commotion with Jesus walking on the water and all that and they're freaked out. And then Mark gives this, uh, This statement. They're in the boat. Take courage in his eye. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them. The wind died down. They were completely amazed. 
for they had not understood about the loaves. Why are we talking about the loaves when we just had this crash and burn in the, in, in the lake? Because their hearts were hardened. You get to this story. Jesus is having to initiate all of this because their hearts are hardened towards this group of people that Jesus is trying to have compassion on. That's what this is all about. In Egypt, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. That's right. So that the things that put in for is the heart in here because they were just would you go get rid of it a couple of weeks ago, or is it because there's a respect that they owe to the rabbi uh, as they would owe to their yeah. Jewish rabbi that they would defer to him before they would take an initiative on their own? What I think is happening here is that that Jesus is trying to so reorient the way they see the world that it's just it's for them it's too much. And as their rabbi, he is pushing them and pushing them, and they are resisting. Like we 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 find ourselves there when we fought, when we're following Jesus. I mean, this is a lifetime of following him, and then we'll be confronted with something that Jesus is asking us, a way that he's asking us to order and arrange our life, and we're like, man, I'm going to look like a fool if I do this. Right. And so we know that feeling. And that's where the disciples are, right here. Why don't you show the clip? Yeah, we're just going to spend some, spend just a few minutes, uh, what the, the chosen, hopefully y'all all know about the chosen. Uh, please take some time to watch it, download the app, watch it. Uh, the last episode of season three, they kind of collapse, you know, it's TV. They gotta only have a certain amount of time. So they collapse these two miracles together. And so, just to give you a little background, Peter is, for lack of a better word, pissed at Jesus. Because his wife has miscarried a child. And this is all made up, right? But they're building, they, they're, they, they, they do this brilliantly. So, so Peter is angry at Jesus. He's healing all this, these people. He's doing all these things. And then he's not taking care of his own disciples' family. He's mad, his own people. And so Peter has been away from the group because he's angry. So he comes running up as this crowd is starting to gather for this miracle of the feeding. So let's just watch this for just a few minutes and see where it lands us. Now best to share or live your teachings, then why should anyone else? Sit down. That's your answer. I don't mean you, I mean my students. Sit with me. Now? Yes, please. Hello, Simon. Rabbi, we didn't come here to cause trouble. 
Well, it would appear that trouble has found us. So then we should address it. And how do you propose to do that, Big James? Listen to them. <laughs> My friends, sit with me. We cannot go any further until we agree on something. Hmm? Please. Peter and John. I'm a rabbi, and as these Jewish brothers will tell you, we like to teach by asking questions, and we all like to solve problems by talking. It begins with a disagreement, even better. So, feel free to listen, and if you'd like to argue a bit, that's fine too. Rabbi. We look weak and defenseless. On the way to Jairus' house in Capernaum, what happened when the woman Veronica touched me? The power went out from you. No, I mean, what happened to her? She was healed. How? By touching the fringe of your garment. No. My friends, you forget so quickly. You are dear to me. <laughs> but your memories are short. You said, daughter, go in peace. Your faith has made you well. Your what? Faith. Her faith. Many of you are afraid right now. Instead of choosing to have faith in me. But, Rabbi, you must see what's happening all around us. Of course he does. That's the point. Rabbi, increase our faith. Judas... If you had faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you could say to a mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Can a mulberry tree go in the sea? He's making a point. Truly, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to a mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. How? How do we get there? Like Judas said, you increase our faith. It's not about size, Philip. It's about who your faith is in. If your faith is secure in God, trusting his promises, choosing his will for your life instead of your own, this sized faith is enough. These people we are ministering to, they are like bees hovering among the flowers, waiting for them to open up so they can sip the nectar and spread it to others. But they must see a faith in you that is secure. Big or small. Looks like you have your work cut out for you. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. You're right, teacher. They do have short memories. Excuse me. Well, what are you doing? Step back. We're listening to our teacher. So am I. Ignore him, son. This moment is about us and Jesus. What is that smell? Rancid. Oh. It is an infection, okay? My leg is broken and it got infected. Mind your own business. You need to get that checked out. It's really bad. You're right. Unclean! Silence. Look, I didn't ask to get a broken leg. And we didn't ask for him to come into this region and make things worse. I'll talk to you in a moment. I'm here to test what he said about the faith of the bleeding woman. I already know, brother. I know you. 
Under normal circumstances, I would strictly charge you to tell no one in some regions and with some people. It's just not my time to be revealed and to escalate tension too soon. But it looks like we're past that. It's been a long time since I've read. you came, Simon. It's going to be a long day. And so the way the episode proceeds is to the these these groups of different types of people just keep coming and coming, and then they end up feeding them. And, and the, the conversation is just very conflicted between these different groups, and Jesus has insisted that they can find a way together. It's really powerful. There's a lot to it. There's lots of layers. This is more than just making a macaroni plate out of Jesus making bread, right? Um, he is he's in a different place, but teaching a similar lesson. Uh, look at verse 5 real quick. Um, he has asked this question that he's going to end with. How many loaves of bread do you have? Think about that. He is the bread of life, Jesus. Life is is bread. It's this daily bread that we receive. So God, like they were doing in the video, if you have faith in Christ, if you have this belief, how much do you have in your life? How much life, in a sense, do you need to share? Uh, can you share it with yourself and with others? So we're, we're doing a good job of showing that Jesus is bringing this kingdom together of Gentile and Jew, which is a big deal for them. But what's one level above that? What does Gentile and Jew coming together ultimately prove in Mark's thinking? The Basora. Exactly. This is the gospel. This is the prophecy. That at the end times when the Messiah comes, he will draw people back to the garden, back to Jerusalem, back to his mountain. And in that process, Jews will be gathered. God takes care of his own, but he also includes us because we are his own too. So again, it's it's multi-multi-layered. The last thing I'll say is uh, Jesus asked them, how many loaves of bread do you have? So he's going to perform this miracle, and they say seven, they replied. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. They took the seven loaves of bread, thanked God for them, broke them into pieces, and gave them to his disciples who distributed it to the crowd. And a few small fish uh, were found too. So Jesus also blessed these and told the disciples to pass them out. This is another way that we know that these are Gentiles, um, because Jews don't normally eat fish. Uh, as strange as it sounds, um, they're they're not fish fishy people. But 
this is an important pattern to watch in the way that God does things. We want a miracle. Show us something, God. Do your work. And God says, okay, we'll, we'll go down this road. The first thing I want to see is what you can do. Give me what you have. Every miracle Jesus does, he does this way. When he's turning water into wine, he says, well, go get me some water then. Go get me the jars. We always want it the other way around. God, do your miracle, and I'll believe. And he never does it that way. He always says, do what you can. Give me the best of what you can do, and then I'll help you. Again, his point isn't to wow and dazzle us. His point is to teach us how to have this faith of the mustard seed, how to make these choices. And when we lack, because we're human, then he'll, as a father, sort of finish. You know, pull your allowance out and pay for what you can. If you're short, then I'll cover you. Does that make sense? Seven was the the crucial number for us there that will come back a little later. Verse 8, they ate until they were full, and when every scrap was picked up, there were seven large baskets of food left over. Again, the seven. There were about 4,000 people in the crowd that day, and he sent them home uh, after they eaten. Immediately after this, he got into a boat. Oof, here we go again with his disciples, and crossed over to the region of Dalmuthna. Um, so they, they head out again. So this, this was the... Uh, the big lesson to get it again. Basor is happening and uh, it works for both Jew and Gentile. So would you have gotten it at this point? <laughs> I'm not sure I would have. I would have been blown away. What's going on here? Questions? Is Jesus a good teacher? Is he a bad teacher? Yeah. Let's just say he pushes the envelope a lot of times farther than we are willing to go. Amen. I don't know that that's any different today than it was in No. We are still all sitting here. I don't mean this group, but we were all sitting here waiting for somebody to tell us what to do, even though we know what to do. Yeah. And I, I like the little clip in there where they, they were talking about we're Jews and we ask questions and uh, you know that's not just true of Jews that's that's true of God God wants you to think he wants you to understand how to choose again he's raising you from a child to be an adult you need to know how to think this way how to do this way he's not just some philosopher giving you answers, giving you little quibs. He's trying to help you through this process. The life I give, the people I take care of, it's it's everybody. And when it's hard and it's broken, um, I really, really have enough. And I want you to really have enough. I mean, again, picture this. Some pastor decides to go out and have a brunch in Ukraine in the middle of the war. With Russians. This is insanity. Are you nuts? This will never ever work. And Jesus says, yeah, watch it. Um, We have bread for ours and we have bread for theirs. It's it's a powerful lesson. And something I think we've got to hold on to is we go on our own lives. I mean, there are people that we think are in our tribe, you know, are us. And then there are people that are just completely 
off the rail. And God's will is for us to bring them here, to bring them in the church, to share our bread, our life with them. Or as Jesus concluded, there's 12 loaves and there's 7 loaves. There's plenty for you, but there's plenty for others too. And you've got to learn to share both. And so, like, notice the people or the groups in your life where you where you have initial experiences of anger and keeping your distance from. And then when you read this passage, what is Jesus' stance towards them? He has, what's that? Well, it's compassion. And so that's what we need to ask for. God, help me to move beyond my anger and my by keeping them at arm's length to compassion. I mean, like we're, and it happens like in families. We're dealing with this really, really hard time right now with Elena's dad. He's gone through a, through a terrible health crisis, and it has just unearthed all of this yuck. I mean, Kurt knows. We talk about it. It's just yucky stuff. And it's so easy to be angry at that son of a you-know-what. Because how he's treating his daughter. And I'm like, you used to be a good guy. What has happened to you? And I've noticed that over the past month, as we've got some, it's been about two months since this really blew up. That it's starting in my soul to give way to sadness and pity. And the anger is starting to die. I gotta figure out a way to talk to the guy. I'm his son-in-law. And I can't just let Elena be the one that's bearing the brunt. I've gotta take it responsibility too, but I can't do it from a place of anger. I've got to do it from a place of compassion. Because right now, he's out of the tribe. For all practical purposes. And we gotta try to get back together. So I really want to challenge you. This is like the nitty gritty of uh, for us. Like, for those of y'all who were at Ash Wednesday, I keep saying this because it deserves to be repeated. That night, I walked, I left that service, it dawned on me, people are sick and tired of division. It was a beautiful night if you weren't there. Our, those four churches, there was a moment of unity there that I hadn't seen in a long time. That's where Jesus wants to move us to. And these are what these stories are seeking to teach us and to communicate to us. I wish we had more time. I wish we had a lot more time. Jesus lays out the bread and the people choose to accept this, this life of Jesus. He's not saying, oh, it's fine to give up your faith and live like a Roman and have the, the morals of a, a alley cat and, you know, all, he, it, and that's where sometimes our world will turn this into, right? Jesus just accepts everybody and do whatever no. you want. That's, that's not, that's not what's going on here. He offered life to his people. Some accepted and some didn't. He's offering life to these Gentiles that some will accept and some will not. 
everybody, God wants to have a choice. And so we're part, as disciples, we're part of that process. Uh, some will do it, some won't do it. Jesus is not watering down what he's calling. He's just making sure, as he said, God's will, everybody, um, his will is that everybody be saved, that this gospel, this basora, is, is really for everybody. We'll end with this, verse 11. Um, so all this amazing stuff has happened. When the Pharisees heard Jesus had arrived, they came to argue with him, testing him to see if he was from God. They demanded, give us a miraculous sign from heaven to prove yourself. And that is completely backwards, right? You want the miracle, you just missed it, boys. Um, and I promise you, you get in this road with God, and it's always going to be that way. We are not in charge. We cannot dictate to God the way he's going to do this. <clears throat> Any more than a disciple can dictate to a rabbi the way he's going to teach. So if, if you want to you wanna see the fireworks, you got to be in the trenches. you you got to be reaching out to the Decapolis, and you got to be reaching out to the people in Galilee too. It's, it's both. So we'll stop there. Questions? Yeah. Matthew verse 9 says, Jesus said there. We hear over and over again that no matter what he did, he was Somehow he was able to sit in the United States. He didn't break it up. He sent a the place this was sitting there seems to be. Yeah, <clears throat> and it's a good word to watch for. It's the word for apostle. So we talk about all this stuff, rabbi, and you wonder, well, when do the disciples become rabbis? Jesus is the last minute changes it. And in, when instead of promoting them to rabbi, he, promotes, he creates this new thing, and he calls it apostle. Or at least that's the translation we have in Greek, the sent ones. So where rabbis tend to protect, um, apostles are sent out to share. And yeah, no, it's a great point. You're getting some foreshadowing probably here of what he wants from the disciples and from these people too. Which to your earlier point, was it you made the point about the demoniac? Uh, was that you, Tom? Who was it? Giles. Sorry. Giles. Y'all are both bald, so. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, but, uh, yeah. And, you know, he wanted to go with Jesus. No. Go tell. And so it's like, this is what starts the ball rolling, right? I'm so glad that stuff is over. Really, really am. That's insider Methodist lingo, by the way. United Methodist lingo. Yeah. So they're they're going to lecture us. That's usually what it means. Anyway. All right. Well, let's pray and we'll head out. Father God, we pray that we get this. For as hard as it sounds, we understand today that we are now the disciples. 
Someday there will be a video they watch about us, <laughs> what we did. Help us to understand the questions that you present to us today. More than that, O oh Lord, help us to answer them today. We've been blessed with your word, with your spirit, with each other. This is not impossible. We've got to be the ones that are sent. Not just talk about it this morning, but go and do it. So help us to hear your call today that there is enough bread. And we're sent out to tell people that. May that be on our lips and minds today. As we live the life, we eat the bread that you've given to us. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Good night, guys. How many, how many things did you read from some of our, from in the liberal stuff that they say this proves that this was, there was only one event? Oh, I know. You know, oh, my God. it's just, it's just so maddening, Kurt. <laughs> so, so maddening. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's really good. Did you enjoy?